Hello and welcome to the Stillness Everyday Podcast. My name is Herodotos and this podcast exists to help you find stillness in all aspects of your life, in finance, in health, in mindset and in your relationships. I created this business because I believe that if you can develop the ability to find stillness in your mind, you will learn to create harmony in all aspects of your life. Find us at Stillness Every Day on social media or stillnesseveryday.com. Welcome everyone. I've got Jay Malik online on the podcast. We're going to be discussing masculine feminine energies. I've been following Malik's work for probably three to six months now and it's really opened up my mind to all of this. So if you could maybe introduce yourself for those who don't know much about you and tell us about your work. I've ordered a couple of your books. I haven't arrived yet, but I'm looking forward to reading them. I'm Jay Malik, writer, speaker, spiritual teacher. I speak a lot about masculine and feminine energy, metaphysics, and how that impacts our lives when it comes to finance, career, business, and dating and marriage and family and how that all plays a part. Been doing this a while. Um, originally started in like the business space and kind of working through how masculine and feminine plays a part of like just how we think about money and how we think about success. And then seeing people work with a lot of women who are business owners, honestly, and seeing these women who could really thrive in business struggle when it comes to dating and partnership. It's like there's something missing that they're not connecting. And that kind of led to this space. And interesting that everything comes full circle, but that's kind of how everything has culminated for me and being able to teach from these different pockets of career to business to dating to marriage to parenthood is it's all just the same energy is just used in different aspects of life so that's just a quick gist on me but i'm open for this conversation it's gonna be dope yeah awesome um well i'd like to start with explaining because i think probably six months ago if you'd said the word divine masculine to me i wouldn't know what um, where to start to define that so if you could maybe talk through that and what a define a divine feminine looks like as well we have divine masculine energy we have divine feminine energy and in the simplest form it's our primal nature as humans right to as a man to externalize ourselves into the world to produce something that is represents our internal intrinsic value and for a woman it's like the opposite of her divine feminine energy of how can she allow that inner process to work within her and not be pressured by the external world to be a certain way when it's really just supposed to come from a spiritual standpoint. So divine masculinity, we talk about men who are standing in their spiritual alignment, their spiritual purpose, and how they can match that energy with their material purpose and their material works and bridging that gap and how that also connects to like as men, we're supposed to be leaders where we set the standard for society. We create the laws, we enforce the laws, and then we also do that in our families and our communities. And so that means being a husband, being a father, those are also key roles. You don't get paid to be a father, but it's a job nonetheless. In a world where we have the sexual liberation and modern feminism and like the I don't need a man, the boss chick, the, the gender equality, gender neutrality, all these different things that are kind of disrupting that order. We have more men kind of falling off of that, that wagon because it's no longer required to obtain a relationship or a marriage or a partnership. You can just kind of not really be on your square. So for a woman, it's, it's the same way of like recognizing 
the order of masculinity and respecting that order and respecting what that brings to not only society, but to your personal life. Like every woman has benefited from a man in some way, even though that's not the cultural narrative, right? Like the cultural narrative is like, oh, men are oppressing women, but it's like every single woman has benefited from a man the minute she's born. Cause she's probably in the hospital that, that, that men built. Right. So it's just like the, the appreciation and the gratitude that comes from a woman when a man feels that in a partnership, that's that's powerful. It's like, wow, this woman can see me, not just for what I produce, but she sees that what I produce is a reflection of who I really am. I'm trying to get myself out into the world. And she appreciates that she sees me and that fuels a man. And when we lack that in society. It only hurts the families. It only hurts the children. So the whole narrative about divine masculine, divine feminine is just really trying to get back to the root of family and trying to connect us back to ourselves so we can reflect on our own childhoods. What were we missing? What did I not get from my dad? What did I not get from my mother? And then what were their childhoods like? And we can look at a long line of trauma. And so this stepping into this space is just about reflection and saying, how can I be better? And how can I prepare so I can make my children better? And we can just continue that lineage of expansion, growth, and prosperity. Uh, a few questions came up um, already, but the I just I've been really reflecting on how my parents brought me up and kind of analyzing how it, you know, brought me to where I am now. And it is interesting to reflect on because I've got a couple of, um, you know, friends with um, newborns and you just, just watching that whole dynamic play out. Obviously they've their first child they've ever raised, but seeing how they are now doing, um, bringing in their worldview, which was how their parents brought, brought up them and how that's creating conflict. Um, what would you say is like the most important, like if you've got two different people from, let's say one came from um, a household where the man was the dominant kind of the leader, um, whereas the other one was the, the mother was the leader. And now they're, you know, facing that conflict now where the mum doesn't want to listen to the father. How would you approach that? I mean, I mean, the first thing I would just tell the woman to come, like, I mean, there's, so there's education that has to happen, right? Of like, why is she overstepping? Is it, is it incompetence or is it she has like fear from something else? So her need for control was based on she fears being vulnerable or being hurt by something going awry, which that has to be discussed. And a lot of women don't even know that they want to control things because they've been hurt. They, it's like they subconsciously know it, but it's not like they're doing things like I'm doing this because I'm afraid. Like, you know, they're not thinking that. They're just thinking, I got to make sure this goes right because I've always made sure things go right in my household. I see my mother do it and, and that's how we have to do it because we can't always depend on, and they have these like, long lasting narratives within themselves and having them unpack that for themselves like they have to get it themselves that's what one thing i've learned about helping anyone is it's not about teaching them for the sake of teaching it's about having them reflect on their own experience so they have their own aha moment so it makes sense to them not just the words i'm saying but they're like wait a minute how was i raised whoa wait a minute my dad was like this my mom was like this and then you look at why were they were like that, and you can see that the, how it forms and how it creates a, a new culture. And so I would try to get her to reflect on, hey, why do you have this fear? Because it's fear. I, women do not naturally overstep men. 
it's just not their natural inclination to do that. Even men don't do it to other men. Like we, we tend to generally have respect for another man. And we know if we don't respect that, there's a possibility for conflict. So I'm not going to overstep unless I'm seeking out conflict. And then we, that's when we have, you know, our own issues. But so women don't do it. Men don't even do it. So when a woman does do it, it's like, hmm, something's happening here underneath the surface because she's responding like a man who wants conflict, but she's a woman. So why is she doing that? Like, where has she picked this pattern of behavior up from? And that requires a deep reflection on the man as well to like, not just see her conflict as face value, but to say, there's something about this. Like, she's doing this for a reason. And it's probably not even me. Most, li- most likely it's not me. It could be you, but eight times out of 10, it's probably not. Now, the two out of 10, it is you, then you have to do some correcting. It's like, maybe I'm not communicating my plan properly. Maybe I'm not, like, making sure this is coherent enough for her to, like, see it. Like, maybe I've, you know, whatever the case may be. But mo- more likely than not, it's, it's happened way before you two ever met. She was doing this before. And so just, like, getting them to kind of reflect on their own perspective of why there may be fear or miscommunication and really starting to create a spirit of resolution because that's where we have to be at, at, within ourselves as well, but like in a partnership, masculine and feminine work together to create a solution. And when we think that I'm the problem or you're the problem, we don't work together. We work in opposite. We're trying to prove the other person wrong versus let's both find a solution. And so just getting them into that space to not telling them what the right answer is, but to get them to a space where they're just thinking about how can we find a solution together so that becomes their new habit and they'll figure it out for themselves what works for them. Yeah. I'm a big believer in also that you're you attract kind of a, a reflection almost of where you're at. So yeah. it, if you then take the onus on you and the responsibility that it's actually my shit to deal with and both of you take that perspective then you can both grow from it rather yeah. than butting heads together. Um but yeah. What um what would you say on the what you were, you were talking about leadership and business before, would you say that there, um, there should be less female leaders in the world? Like um, today there's quite a lot, but also a lot of the male leaders, um, like I think yours in America, you're, you're in America, right? Yep. Is, you know, he's quite a <laughs> feminine leader. <laughs> so he's, do you think that that's kind of that feminism's rubbing off on the the male leaders and that's having an impact on our society as well? Oh man, don't get me canceled, but it it is a <laughs> like it's interesting because and I had this conversation earlier today on a, a live stream. We were just talking about the narrative of feminism, right? The idea that women rose up and took their power back from men, and I was explaining like you think about the history of men and the history of politics and the history of conquest, men only settle conflict through war, right? It's like any kind of major cultural shifts, somebody has to die for it to change. That is the history of man. We will resort to, resort to violence when necessary. When, there's a, when my ideas versus your ideas, one of us has to die. We are not coming to a common agreement if our ideas are completely opposed. And I'm like, that didn't happen with feminism. 
men did not go out and have a war with women. There were not a million women with rifles shooting at a million men with rifles. That never happened. Mm -hmm. So like that narrative that women had to rise up to fight men for this thing, it's like, no, men were like, okay, here. Mm -hmm. So, but that like, and it was with hesitation, of course, like there were people who didn't agree with it, but there were no, we didn't even fight each other over it. We didn't even fight other men over this idea. This is a completely anomaly when it comes to men and political movement of this magnitude. Like feminism has changed the world completely. Like the last 100 years does not fit anywhere else in human history. It's a complete anomaly. And we were so in, indoctrinated in it, it seems like it's normal, but this is, this is not a normal time that we're living in. It's like the Black Plague almost, like socially, because there is so much disorder and there's not a lot of communication happening. And so when it comes to male leadership, because it's our natural inclination to like, we want to look out for women. Like the vast majority of men want to look out for women, which is why feminism was, was ushered in without war. Like, oh, our women are saying they want this. Okay, we're going to let this happen. But in that, women have came to seats of power and came to seats of influence and can speak to that influence so much that men are, we have a, we have a, a nice population of men who are afraid to speak out against a woman. Like, that is a very interesting dynamic to have where men are afraid of the repercussions for speaking out or speaking a grievance about something that women are doing politically. How did we get here? Not, not saying go kill these women, just saying I have a grievance, can get you canceled, can get you blackballed, or this person is a, is a bigot or a misogynist. It's like, no, I'm just speaking a grievance. I'm just making an observation that's going on politically. Why, cannot, why can't men not speak out? He's allowed to be wrong or right, but why is he afraid to even be wrong? So we've created a culture where the thing that men are spiritually ordained to do, which is set order, because without this order, feminism can't even exist anyway. If we're living in the wild and we have to survive and there is no feminism in the wild. So the same foundation that we set that men have set for security and comfort is the same order that's being challenged. And it's maybe not an issue now. But what does it lead to in 100 years? The trajectory has to be accounted for. And because we don't have a lot of men who are okay with challenging this order or saying, hey, maybe we can do this a little bit differently. Or like women still aren't happy. Women have more rights than ever before and they're still not happy. So it's like the men have to understand like you have to, we, if we don't set the order, chaos will ensue. And it's already chaotic, but it's like we've done such a great job. Like hats off to the men of the last 100 years, 200 years who have continue to build infrastructure societies and women have contributed to that for sure but without men putting this work in we're not even able to have a stable enough ground to kind of withstand the blow of feminism and how this impacted families because non-marital births are up single parent homes are up um children in poverty are like these these things are still prevalent in society and some of them are getting worse and worse and worse by the decade so like let's what does it look like in a hundred years when everyone's having children without being married like everyone there are certain countries, I think, um, is it France, maybe 70% non-marital births? Like, what happened, like, what does that do culturally for the children when they see, oh, marriage is not important? When we have facts that show, like, hey, children brought up in the two-parent household that are married, they, they fare better off than any other child. It's not, it's not even debatable anymore. It's, it's, this is proven. But what does this do to children and their families when we don't normalize this thing? And it's just male leadership has to step up and say, let's let's take our role in this because some of this is our fault.
as well. I hear all the time, I don't want to get married. Um, like, it's, it's a massive thing now. Would you say that it's um, the religious kind of connotations around marriage or it's the, the state kind of owning your decisions? Um, what do you think the fear around marriage is now? And when you come um, from a place of marriage, you know, what, where does that come from? Is it religious for you or...? Mm. Like it's it's definitely a it's a spiritual thing in knowing that I'm made here to live out a purpose, but also I'm here to create the next generation and to make sure these children have the proper foundation to do whatever they're meant to do. And the best institution for that is marriage. It's kind of like if I want to start a business, I know it's probably best I get my LLC before I start doing stuff. Like, so it's organized. I, I know it's best to have a business bank account to separate my finances. I know it's best to, like, there, there are best practices that I want to follow. I can not do all those things and follow and file them all under my personal income. And, like, sure, it'll work for a while until it doesn't, until I, it gets complicated, which is kind of like marriage. You can do all this stuff without marriage until it gets complicated. And so the fear of marriage, though, comes from the political imbalance especially on the side of men, it's like now marriage is a risk. It's a legitimate, like, what if I pick the wrong woman? It will cost me, not just emotionally, but it will literally cost me. And so for a lot of men, especially men who are, have some success and have built a life and you have no fault divorce, you have all these different things in, in the court system that, I mean, it favors women. And again, this oppressive society that somehow favors women. So it's, and I, I try not to go to that place because I try to get men to understand, like, hey, you have to find a woman who ideologically is is sound with you. Like, before anything else, she has to be able to reason with your rationale. She has to almost love the way you think about life before anything else, before, before she's attractive, before you like the way her body looks, before you like the way she smells, like, before you like the way she has sex, like... All of those things will go out the window if she secretly has a different vision for how life and society operates. Yeah, so the last, I came out of a relationship last year and I just, I decided at the start of this year to uh, practice or to go on the path of semen retention and celibacy. And what was interesting, I started seeing um, this girl like a couple months ago and approaching the relationship from a dynamic of getting to know them, getting into, getting to know how they think before sleeping with them is, um, it's been a, it's been a really interesting experience. And I think it's, um, important because my last relationship, I feel like it entered with this sexual connection and it masked the entire thing. Her vision was going this way. I was going that way, but we were bound by this sexual connection where we, it went on and on for two years. It was very toxic. And, um, yeah, I feel like if we had left it a few months, got to know each other a bit better, we wouldn't have embarked on that journey. And yes, I think there's probably a lot of relationships out there that are like this. But one thing I'd be interested in touching on is if if someone's heart isn't open to the man and they're engaging sexually, how can that impact them, the woman? But it's difficult when a woman's heart isn't open to like this... What, what the masculine is here to do, and if we're on the same page, if the masculine is here to lead, then I have to be following the same order for us to be moving in the same direction. But it's just with the way we have um, 
modern feminism and the construction, like a lot of women just don't look at life that way. And not that they feel like they've adopted feminism, but the reality is they were born into it. Because they're born into it, they never really question it unless a man presents it. And the thing is, too, as men, we don't adopt feminism. We're also born into it. So we're all born into this anomaly of time, and it doesn't beg the question of us of why we're doing this, because family isn't really the forefront of our connections anymore. It's, it's right. sexual interaction. It's attractiveness. Like, it's pleasure. It's lust. It's not wanting to be lonely. Whatever the case may be, it's, but it's not connected to what is our long-term outlook? What are we building together? Which before, it was kind of like, it was almost taboo to have sex without marriage. Like, that was considered shameful. To your point, senior retention for men, when, like on the man's side, it, it's extremely important. I feel like it's, it's not only is it self-discipline and self-restraint and, and you're, you're cultivating your own energy, but it allows you to kind of be clear on life. Like you're no longer a slave to sexual desire. Mm. Like we can still That's be exactly sexual like. beings, but we're not, we're not controlled by it. And there are a lot of men who are mm. controlled. Like you talk about porn addiction. How many yeah. men psychologically are struggling because they're addicted to porn or uh, masturbation or whatever the case may be, or even just sexual encounters in general, they just like to pick up women because they need to fill some kind of void. Mm. They can be doing well in life and they still have that struggle. And it's like that it's a scary place that we are in right now when it comes to like how we view sex and how we engage in sex. Mm. I think you couldn't have said it better. That's my whole experience with it so far. And even to the point where your emotions, you're not controlled by, um, you know, running these kind of fantasies in your head or like entertaining the wrong women. And then you're, I'm, I'm a lot more focused on my purpose, on my path, where I'm going, because I don't, my mind's just not cluttered with meaningless kind of emotions that really I shouldn't be entertaining. Um, this is, this is also my concern at the moment with, I mean, I'm sure polyamorous relationships have their place or have had their place in the past but the modern idea of it as in i um you know i'm attracted to this person so i'm gonna sleep with them it's like are you are you what are you lacking in your relationship and what void are you trying to fill are you just addicted to sex are you just craving and giving into a reaction what do you think about polygamous relationships I think polygamy is interesting because historically it's always been here. It's like, it's not a new concept, but I think it, it is new in its conception with feminism, right? It has a new kind of spin on it because there is a lot of sexual addiction or there's, I've seen the argument that, hey, men are going to cheat anyway, so we might as well be polygamists. Like that's, that was never the reason for polygamy. Like mm-hmm. men were not polygamists because they were adulterers. Like that, that's like, what a, was the re- you know, it's, it's, I'm going to continue to expand my empire in this way. Like, okay, I have one wife and we're going to have children be prosperous. And then if I have add another wife, it's because I have the capacity to care for two women and to now I can like, from a material standpoint, I can produce two children at once mm-hmm. where this man can only produce one. Like even the idea of like children being blessings and, all of these things centered around family, and now everything is just centered around sex, and we just kind of negate the family aspects of it. Like, like to your point, I think they may have their their place, and culturally, some places like 
practice polygamy more than others. I, I don't think it's a normal um, Western ideal. I think it's come come forth in the West because of the sexual aspect of like, oh, I can have two women or I can have, and it's it's more of a lustful thinking than it is, hmm, I can have a larger family. We can have more contribution. Like, I don't think anybody really wants that. Like, that's that's not really a person's rationale when they explain it. But I do know cultures who do have, have polygamy and people who have multiple wives and they do things their way. And it's like, culturally, I can't tell anyone what they do is wrong or right for them as long as everything is are, are aligned with everyone and everyone is spiritually aligned and spiritually healthy state when they agree to it, right? Like if you're marrying women and they're depressed and they're in terrible states and they agree to be with you because you're the only, like that's not marriage, that's abuse. That's, right? Like you're taking advantage of a situation. So it's like as long as everyone is, is in their right minds and they're in their right spirits and they all agree that this is something they agree on and they agree on society, like sure, but that's not for most people. Right. So it's, I think it's just a matter of just to your point again, like having those um, entertaining the wrong women for me. And it's that puts us in a state where we start processing things through the lens of the wrong women. And it's just sex versus family. Almost like we can almost simplify it to that. Like this is sex versus family or the pleasure of sex or the temptation of sex versus family. The the question of how do I find that man or that woman? Um, if there's, if, if, you know, some, some would argue, I mean, I'm sure I've seen this question a few times. It's like, I've met all the men and there isn't anyone like this. <laughs> yeah. My, my response is if you become that divine feminine, you will attract your counterpart. Um, what would you say? I agree I'm sure with you've that. seen that question. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. It's, if we're not living out the example of who we want to become, it's how can we attract the opposite? Like a, a feminine woman really wants a masculine man, right? And a masculine man really wants a feminine woman. So there's, there's no gap there. It's just, we all match up based on what we, what we desire and what we like. But the issue is that we want something that we cannot attract. And that's, that's a part of, you know, understanding reality. And the thing is, women have never had to really process this because for the most part, it was set up for them. Like women had it easier when it comes to mate selection and making sure they were married and protected and provided for before because it was ingrained in society that a man's going to pick this woman and he's going to marry her. Mm. With that supply and demand shifting in the market, women have to go out here and actually work on themselves to like attract a partner, especially when half the market is giving away sex for free. Like there's no commitment required. There's no vetting required like women. And it's not like women are victims out here. Like women are giving away sex because they want to have fun. And we sometimes we try to spend it like, Oh, it's men just sexualizing women. It's like, have you seen women today? Have you been on Instagram? Have you been to a nightclub? Like women are not women are not victims in this. Women are going to these places and they're saying, "Hey, I want to have fun." It's one of the biggest reasons when women date sometimes, especially the younger, they want to have fun. They don't. They're not looking for anything serious. Women say that I'm not looking for anything serious. It's not like a man. Like it's not like a man. That's like a traditional excuse of man. When you, I'm not ready for a commitment. It's like, but you're a woman. What else could you be looking for when someone is about to enter your body? 
So that disconnect even like, okay, I can have someone so that's enter the my imbalance, body. is it? It's crazy. That's the that's the imbalance. That's them in their masculine. Is that what you would say? Yeah. Like it's it's a very because beauty and even sexualizing that beauty, or we can say weaponizing that beauty, is a very masculine trait. It is taking something I have and I'm going to wield it against someone else to get what I want. It's not traditionally how women have behaved at any at really any point in history. So we have women who are wielding their sexual and fertile years, but their sexuality to have fun and to do what they want and to, you know, maybe influence things here or manipulate things here. And it doesn't get many of them what they want. But in the short term, it also creates unions where you may have love and emotional attachment to someone that they start off as just sex. And we drag this along because sex is good, but we're always energetic. So you may have great connection with someone energetically, but where you two or view life can be completely different. And I always tell you, you can easily, like love is not hard to find. Hmm. Like love is easy. You can love someone very, very easily. And I don't think most men optimize their lives for love unless they have deep trauma surrounding love. Right? Like he felt like he was never loved as a child. He's going to probably optimize for love. But a man who has a healthy social network is not going to optimize for love. He's going to optimize for efficiency, effectiveness. Does this woman fit into this program? Mm. I can't, I can't um, force this Mac to run windows like and I can I can program to do that or I can you know yeah, yeah. but you know you know my yeah. point like it's a different operating system we're, we're going on two different programs mm. she's Samsung I'm Apple it's not going to work so you would say we got green you would say worldview is is the most important first like how how your partner's um, outlook on life is before looks and attraction and everything else I would even say before worldview and I'm not sure that's the term we can give for it. Like, it's like your spiritual outlook mm. that kind of shapes your worldview. Like, we can have similar worldviews, but our spiritual foundation can be completely different. Mm. And that can, that can still, at some point, that will create a disconnect. Can you say that again? Like, your, your spiritual outlook, your foundation mm. can be different, but your worldviews can be the same. Yeah. And we can agree on worldviews, but because we're not connected spiritually as far as foundation goes, at some point, it's going to run its course. It's going to cause some kind of confusion. Yeah. So it's spiritual foundation, worldview, and then there is, okay, we got the same foundation, same worldview. Now, where are you going? Like, so now it's like purpose. Because if we have the same foundation and the same worldview and we feel our purpose are either complementary or they're, they're aligned, now we can build on all the stuff that's really, really easy. Mm. Then it gets to compatibility and, you know, what you like, what I like, what you don't like, what I don't like. And before, I mean, we, we did the attraction thing already before we got here. Mm. Right? Like, I wouldn't even be talking to you right now if I wasn't attracted to you. So something happened before we got here. Mm. Just off just raw attraction so like we can check that box mm -hmm. just there's some things that you may not like about me but like we checked these boxes before we got here now it's like let me find out your core 
like the core, compatibility, purpose. Now, the emotions, that's the psychological. That stuff just comes. Mm. It's, you're going to develop, you're going to meet people, you're going to have stimuli. Like, all that stuff is going to happen because it's just, the brain is just programmed to work the same way. Because everyone always feels like, I can never love anyone else like I love this person. And then you go on the next person, you say the same thing to that person. You live the same experience. Like, oh, my God. I could. It's like you would think we get smart enough to say, like, hmm, maybe we just feel the same love all over and over again. Mm-hmm. And we just think it's deeper this time because now this is real. It's like that's the same love you told the other person. Mm-hmm. No, this is the real love. It's like, of course it is until you get divorced 20 years from now. Right. Like it's love is, 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 is fluid. It's flowing. It, it, it's conditional. It is because it's it's. Do you say it's conditional? It's very conditional, right? Like uh, imagine, imagine loving your wife and, and you wake up the next day and she tells you she hates you or she changes her behavior and you're not sure why. And it's, it becomes a great, like something's going to change. Like your connection to her is going to change. Mm. And love is really the emotional response we feel to having the connection. But the connection is conditioned on it being connected. Mm. If I unplug the lamp, that's conditional. It's no longer connected to the, to the circuit. It will not light up. Mm. So we're conditioned on our connection. We no longer feel connected. We're like, I love them, but we put a butt on it. It's like, no, you don't really love them anymore. You just, you have a familiarity with them. You, you feel comfortable with them. You know them. You have rapport with them, but you don't, right? Like mm. it's, you have human respect for them, but it's not that same when you had the connection. So it's, it's conditioned on what creates the connection, which is why the core things are so important to have. Because if we're core foundational things, the connection is stronger. So we can, if anything comes up in life, we can deal with that little stuff on top as long as the foundation is the same. But the minute you have a, a conflict that then questions one of those core foundations, your spirit, your worldview, or your purpose, where you're going in life, then you have uproot and you're like, I don't understand what's wrong. I don't understand what's going on. You have all the surface level stuff that's going good, but a conflict has just caused some you two to have to make a decision based on core values. And that's why we have so much disarray in relationships because for better or for worse, we, we have been a more religious society in prior years. So people would normally marry someone of the same faith. So their faith is their spiritual foundation and that guided their worldview. And like, we just, we're going to do marriage because that's the cultural norm. Mm. So that was, that's the purpose was already unlocked. It's like, we're not getting divorced because I'm the provider. You're, you're the woman. So like, we're going to do this thing. We, there's no, there's no way to be disconnected. Mm. So we have this freedom. Now freedom of choice requires responsibility of, of choice. And it's on the man and the woman to say, hey, who am I connecting with and why? Is this coming from a spiritual place? Is it my, is our worldviews connected? Because we have to raise children. We have to give our children coherent thought. Hmm. If we don't give them coherence, that's going to mess up their, their sense of security and sense of self because they're not going to be feel safe in any kind of thinking or rationale. They're going to have to make their own things up or they're going to be influenced by other people. Mm. And the, the lower that strength is or connection with the parents when it comes to transferring these worldviews, if there's any kind of chaos or disarray or disagreement that opens the child up for someone else to fill that gap. 
and this is where it's happening now. And I think it's it's mostly on the part of men that we have to be the ones who, because men have just been silent. Men have not been agreeing with certain things for a long time, but men have been conditioned to be silent mm. about things regarding women because it's like walking on eggshells. Like, I can't say that about a woman. It's like, why not? She's saying it about you. Yeah. Speak your mind, right? <laughs> the um, the conditional love made me think because I, I've done a lot of, I don't know if you've heard, Vipassana meditation. And I think I come from a place mm -hmm. of, if you can learn to have unconditional love within yourself, then you can give it out. But if otherwise, if you're entering a place of, like you said, it's got to be, there's conditions to everything because you're actually not loving the person, you're loving how they make you feel. So I've never looked at mm -hmm. it. I've never um, heard the analogy of like the connection and once it breaks, do I still, do I still love this person or can I just, yeah. Or do I just, or do, do I still have love that I could give them, but I just choose not to. I think that's where my head mm -hmm. is. Anyway, yeah, it's. I've had deep love. Like, I mean, you've been there. You said you had a toxic situation. Like that. What kind of love or what kind of connection is there to make you stay in something toxic? Like the connection is very deep. Yeah. It's like we're connected because I know this is bad for me, but I will still do it. Yeah. But is it love or is it the love of how they're making you feel? Because it's the you're actually addicted to the feeling of those emotions. A lot of people ask me how they can get started with meditating. Now, my first experience with meditation was at a Vipassana retreat, which is 10 days in silence. But I understand this isn't practical for most people. That's why we created the Stillness Everyday Journal. This journal has a range of prompts, which allow you to not only create your day, but reflect on your day at the end of it. The journal also has a range of audible meditations, which are perfect for beginners. Check out stillnesseveryday.com. I mean, I would, I would still rationality as love is just love is an abundant commodity mm. right and i think part of that is also how we have kind of made love like a fairy tale as if it's scarce but if love is really everywhere someone who is has a drug addiction they may feel they have more love with that substance than they do with their family doesn't mean that love or that passion or, or all the energy put into this, like love is a frequency. So like they, they just have a very strong frequency with something that's misaligned with them, that's self-destructive. Yeah. And we've, we, I mean, I think everyone has, but mm. some people listening have loved someone and they knew like this is self-destructive. Like this is not, we're not going to work, but I'm still in it. I've been there. This is like, this love is strong, but it's like, it's in the wrong place. Mm. And maybe it's really, should be going towards me. Maybe I'm, I don't have enough self-love, so I'm trying to give love, and we're both giving from an empty place, and it just feels good because we're both empty, and we're just we're just filling each other up, and we're emptying it. Like it doesn't work. Yeah. And like I just see love as this thing. Like it's everywhere. It's in the air we breathe. It's everywhere. It's easy to get. It's not difficult to get. And if I think we stop telling people that you know, love is this one in a million thing that happens. Like no, love isn't one in a million connection like from a core place it is scarce or it's rare maybe it's not even scarce it's still abundant but it's it's just rare but in a world where you can connect to anything yeah. like we're all energy so you don't need a certain plug to plug in we're just going to feel that it doesn't feel right it's like oh this doesn't feel right but we only feel it because we're connected we only feel that we're not aligned because we're connected so we got to unconnect 
or disconnect so we can go somewhere else where we feel the connection makes sense for us. Mm. To see the opposite. Yeah. Because it's energy. So in back, say, 200 years ago, when we couldn't connect like that, would you say that the connections weren't as strong or people are accepting of the connections they were given? Because now we have the choice to go to a thousand different connections and find the, the yeah. one. That's a, that's a great question because it brings up the question of, of like the idea of settling, right? And sometimes when you think you have more options than you do, you over inflate your own value. Mm. And today we have a world of options and um, I forgot the like fallacy, but there's like a tendency when you give people more options, they, they either don't make a choice at all or they make the wrong choice mm. because there's, it's too much variance. Mm. If you say, hey, pick this woman or this woman, you got, I got two options. I'm going to pick the best woman. There's no doubt about it. If you give me two women and, te- and, and I can interview both of them and serve it, I'm going to pick the best one out of those two. You give me a thousand, I cannot promise you that. Mm. And same thing for, for women. Yes, and women get a lot hey, of attention. Hey, I got two suitors. I have two suitors for you. Which man, which man do you want? Which man do you... Both of these men have come to you. They're both ready for marriage. Here, here they are. But if I'm on Instagram and I got 100,000 followers and I got 100 DMs every day coming in, how does she pick? Especially if she's not has the spiritual congruence, the worldview. Mm. Like we've given women a freedom of choice without the the tools. The tools yeah. Validation. She's just getting that all day. It's like, well, do I need to choose? Mm. I can just have fun with all of these guys. Mm. Yeah. So that then goes your your quote on. I know we've discussed the, you know, politics and the leaders. And then that goes down and impacts the community, which is in the, sorry, it's the other way around where it impacts your family and then ultimately comes back to the, the man and the female to fix the nation. This is where the problem is, right? So that the individual, it's like you said before, the sex versus the family, which ultimately yeah. then impacts the entire nation and makes a nation of weak individuals. I've got this, um, I'm going to say it because I've got this joke that I say and people don't really understand why, but I keep saying China's coming and they don't understand why. But what I'm, what, <laughs> where I'm coming from is it's not that they're going to come and buy everything or invade us, but Chinese have had it, they've, they've struggled and they've actually, they've got their family unit together, I think, I believe. Whereas here they're coming into a, a nation of weak men who can't control anything and... Um, they're hungrier. They're strong. Yeah. So ultimately, the entire nation to protect itself needs to fix the family unit. It's the only solution. And that's extreme to say. I, I know it's like a very extreme thing to say. Like The only thing that can fix this country, this country, is like you have to fix the family because that is what raises the next generation. Mm. If the families are broken, you don't win in the, you don't lose in the short term, but you lose in the long term. And we're just now seeing we're, this generation, Gen Y and Gen Z are really the first, maybe you could throw Gen X in there as well, but the first generations that have 
a significant proportion of men and women who grew up without fathers in the home. This is the first time this has been significant. Mm. Like outside of war times where men are leaving the home, but their fathers were present. They were like, they weren't, we're not talking about men are leaving for war. We're talking about just men not being present in the home. We have to talk about like less marriages. And so it's becoming more prevalent and we're seeing the effects of it because now it's, it's throwing off the balance. To your point, like a China, which is recovering from their one child rule, but they're not recovering from a no marriage rule. They're recovering from they thought that having one child was going to, you know, be a po- positive policy. Now, I don't know who did the math on that, but guess what they thought, right? And maybe they were having, like, I don't know if you did a two-child policy, not a one-child policy. Was, you got to replace two parents. Yeah. But they're recovering from that because they have, you know, now an aging problem when you have, like, a low population like that. So, I mean, they have a great population, but an aging population because they was having one child for a decade. Yeah. But, or it might have been longer than that. But in America, we're having not really a, I mean, the fertility rate is going down, which is an issue. But of the children being born, more of them than not are being born out of wedlock in not in two parent homes or they're cohabitating, but there's no marriage. Even that says something about the social order where the men, like even to that point, the men don't trust the state enough to get married. What does it say about the country? So how do you fix that? Like, do we then, do we just have to trust our intuition that we have chosen the right female, that she's not going to, you know, that we are going to work together because we've, you know, vetted our spiritual alignment, our worldviews, every, our purposes together so that we can trust them enough that they are not just going to take from us and we can trust the state's not going to get involved. Yes, in a <laughs> sense, but it's, it's really, but it's really like cultural. And I think part of why I'm here and like I desire to be president, it may not be called president by the time I'm president, but to, to create a cultural movement that says, hey, this is who we are as Americans. This is who we are as whatever country you're from. Like everyone wants their country to be strong. Everyone wants their communities to be healthy and prosperous. No one wants to live and even if you live in poverty, you don't want to live in crime-infested poverty. You don't want to live in hate-infested poverty. You don't want to live in danger-infested poverty. Mm. And there are countries in the world where there's poverty, but there's not a lot of violence. Like that false equivalence. People say, oh, well, you know, poverty creates violence. Like, no, it doesn't. Violent people create violence. Mm. And there are people who live in poverty who, don't, who are not violent. So that's, that you can't correlate that. That's a... You know, like that's a false equivalence. Mm. So we have we have a culture that just doesn't it it really values pleasure. We can if we, if we take away like just sex, but like pleasure over family or pleasure over purpose or responsibility. And because and this is, goes back to the male female thing and why men have to like men really have to s- step up here. Because we allow women who, they're not lawmakers by nature. They're like, women can't enforce the law. Like, that, that is just, a, like, we would never send a million women over to Ukraine to, to fight the Russians yeah. or to fight the Ukrainians. We're not sending a million women. 
We may send some women, but they come with some men. Mm. Men are the enforcers. Women give birth. Men take lives. Mm. We have different purposes. And so when it comes to law enforcement, if the person enforcing the law can't create the law, then we're going to be in weird waters. And we've allowed women with the narrative of anti-family, sometimes deep-seated anti-natalism, where there's a complete anti-human sentiment, hmm. but at least anti-family or anti-traditional family or anti-patriarchal family, to create a social cultural order that says, hey, we can, and there, it has no bounds because women are not, naturally like lawful in that sense as far as like this is what it is like they're not rigid it's not the feminine nature the feminine nature is to be kind of free-flowing so we're letting someone free-flowing create social order and we're wondering why the social order is going off the rails because like they don't have any rails the like and i don't want to say like in a demeaning way but these women have no bounds it's going to continue because until someone says enough like enough would you say that the men's inability to say enough is obviously it's a weakness but would you say the weakness is derived from too much pleasure not enough suffering in today's culture a hundred percent it like way too much pleasure not enough pain not enough strife like the minute like let's say a nuclear war just went off. This, this is going out the window. Feminism is going out the fucking window the minute there's catastrophe. Mm. I guarantee you no one in Ukraine is like let the women rise up. Yeah. No one is saying that. It's like we need the men like, to, do, to do this. Not saying there aren't women aren't doing things and contributing, but it's saying in times of hardship we look to men to solve problems. Mm. And we haven't really had, we haven't had major wars in the last 50 years. We haven't had anything catastrophic happen in the, in the planet. Like when, if a tornado came and wiped out the entire, entire city, we expect men to build it again. Yeah. We're not going to be arguing about, well, what if a woman wants to step up and do it? No one's, no one argues about the things that men have to do that are dirty and, and grimy and, and filthy and, and hardworking and backbreaking. No one complains about men doing those things. It's, 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 it's crazy. It's, it's actually hilarious that no one calls it oppressive patriarchy when men are, are in the sewers or mining something. Oh, that's just men being men. Mm. When it's convenient, it's men being men. But the minute it causes for social order, it's men. Oh, these men are being oppressive. It's like, are you saying that on the internet? Like, who, who are the leaders in tech? Who, who, who laid down the, the, the cables in the ocean? Who built the satellites? Who's man, like who, like the privilege. And we have so much comfort in, and I, I fear that there is a time coming because everything happens in seasons. They, there's a the quote that's like, strong times create, um, or good times create weak men. Weak men create bad times, then bad times create, you know, strong men. And it's like, we're in good times, but bad times are coming. Mm-hmm. Winter is coming, as it always does. Mm-hmm. And when winter comes, women are not going to be saying, 
let me do the man's job because they're not saying it now. Mm. Like women are still like women who are not happy, and a lot of women are unhappy. You, you I mean there because there's there's no bounds, there's no checks and balances. It's just I want this, I want that, and it's like it's like if you give a, a child, uh, you know, ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they got a stomach ache. It's like, well, you want an ice cream for dinner? I don't know what to tell you. Right? And someone can say that analogy is like demeaning to a woman, like comparing a woman to a child, but it's really just comparing, hey, if you want, if you, if you just get what you want all the time, you don't understand limitation. You don't understand there are constraints to life. Yeah. And when it comes to, that's what, but I don't even want you to understand that. I just need you to understand that men are supposed to set the constraints. Live your life in the constraints. Do whatever you want in the constraints. Mm. And that works if you find a partner that's aligned with you. Mm. But it doesn't work when you try to find a partner who's aligned with something that is disorderly. And uh, again, this is, if I, if I could go through my, my DMs on Instagram of, of stories, where women will, they, very strong feminist woman, climb the corporate ladder, marry the guy who's, you know, a little bit more subservient than the average guy, not as hardworking, underachiever, because that's the only man who's going to marry a woman that way. Mm. You're not going to find this masculine leader who's, who picks up this woman who's just wants to be domineering. Mm. So they have a dilemma. It's like, do you want to pick success and career and achievement and money and status and single motherhood over provision, protection, union and family because men who work for those things do it for family mm. men don't work over like in opposition to family it's i'm working my my, my ass off for my family mm. so that i can provide luxury so i can provide necessity so i can provide the wants that you have mm. i'm not doing it to to go against you but it's like when we allow women's in the space and they have that narrative they can, they think it's, well, he's making me choose career over, over, over family. It's like, you make, you made that line. Hmm. And it just goes back to the point of we're different. Men and women have different life paths and we have to accept that. So ultimately it isn't really feminism. It's not women that are the problem in causing this imbalance. It's, it's weak men because if strong men wouldn't allow it to exist in the first place. Strong men wouldn't give across the power. I agree with that. So we need I, to take responsibility <laughs> and fix ourselves. I agree with and that. if we fix ourselves, then we'll fix the imbalance. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a it's a spiritual thing. I mean, and it comes from it it's like the devil's in the details, right? Of, of influence. I, I made a video on this a while ago about dark feminine energy and how feminine energy is because it's not rigid like masculine energy like we can all recognize evil when it's masculine like oh man he just murdered these people or he just did this horrible thing but we it's very difficult to kind of spot out an evil woman if she doesn't do something masculine but evil when it's in the feminine form is like an idea and it's a very alluring idea it's very attractive and the idea of women being free it just sounds good until we think about what that even means. Mm. But it sounds good enough to where I don't want to, I want to think about it. 
I can be free? If you tell me I can be free, my mind automatically says I'm not free now. Without looking at the benefits of my situation currently, now I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not free. And if you tell a man, because men are, are naturally protectors, hey, these women want to be free. What do you do? Oh, man, yeah, let them, set them free. You can't hold these women hostage. Mm. Because we're also in the same era. We're in the same time where the idea is new. It's fresh. It's like, wait a minute. Are women not free? And of course, there's always been tyranny amongst men. That's, that's the course of human history. And sometimes I, I get the conversation about you know, women like, well, back then it was abusive. It's like, is there not abuse going on today? Like abusive men have been abusive men, have been abusive men, will be abusive men. Do we, do we condone abusive men? No, which is why we have penal code against them. We've set constraints for them, right? Like most men do not agree with abuse. It's why we all agree on punishing them with law, right? So like that, that narrative is, is tiresome in a sense, but it's like we set women free and they really weren't equipped. And, but in that setting women free, to your point of like weak men, we, we also set ourselves free responsibility of containing the order. It's like, oh, they're free now. They can do what they want. And I hear a lot of men saying, well, y'all want equality. It's 50-50. Y'all want equality. It's like, no, no, my brother. Like that, we are supposed to set the order. And a lot of men are okay with it because it gives them an equal playing field. And they know if the playing field is equal and they don't have to bring in marriage for access, then men are going to win that arrangement. Right? I mean, unless he has children and then he, you know, gets his for child support or whatever the case may be, but he can still, like, if we're playing this game, it's a foolish game to play, but once, once, once the cat's out the bag, it's out the bag. So we're playing this equality game, and men are like, you can't beat me at this game. Like, you don't really want to sleep with 10 different men today. Hmm. He may really want to sleep with 10 different women today. And so we have this sexual game that men and women are playing, when it's really like, you two really want to be together, but you're just not mature enough to She's not mature enough to understand the order. You're not mature enough to set the order. Cause I still think, like to your point, if, if men just said, hey, this is what it is, it's going to be what it is. Because hmm. women are not about to like, revolt and go to war with men. It's, it's never happened. Hmm. You, I once messaged you and asked you about um, a couple of videos that I'd seen, and you said these guys are modernized feminist men who have no problem, something about dysfunction, instead of restoring order to men. Can you touch on modernized, fem, modern femini, modernized feminist men, what that means? Yeah, it's, I really, I really, uh, I don't like, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And it, it's, it's not a, it's different when people are like naive to something versus people are proponents of something. And so like when a man is proponent of feminism or a proponent of the effects of feminism, it, it's, it's a, it brings like very weak energy to the table because a, a man can say, well, it's men's fault they're not here for their children. And it's like, sure, like naturally, like of course a man should be there for his child, right? But if I hired a janitor to be my chef and he can't cook, I can't be mad when the food sucks. That's logical sequencing. So on one breath, I can say, well, a man should take responsibility for his child. 
but it's illogical to expect an irresponsible man to be responsible for his child. Hmm. There's no logic in that. And so, yeah, it's like the same thing with the abuse. Like, an abusive man would be an abuse. Like, making abuse illegal would not stop someone from being abusive. It's why we have law in the first place. So I can do something to him when he does it. I got to punish him. Hmm. We would not need punishment if everyone just follows the law. So, like, this idea of everyone would do what's right is not the world that men have ever lived in. It's a very feminine ideal of, well, one day there can be utopia. It's like, there will never be a utopia. There is no utopia. We would not need, like, penalty for anything if everyone just was good-hearted at nature. Hmm. In fact, religion almost points to the opposite, that we're almost evil in nature and that we learn to be good. Hmm. So the fact that there are men who are using feminine ideals and feminine principles to discuss men is alarming. And it makes sense, like, wow, this is why these women are just... Like they see these men and they and the women know when they can control a man. Not saying that all women don't want to be controlling, but there's a there's a group, there's a population of women who know, hey, we got the loudest voice and we have men who will sympathize with us just because we're women. Not because we're right, but just because we're women. That's dangerous. It's it's illogical. It's not it's not order. It's not law. It's not structure. It's just well, she said it. So I'm going to do it. It's almost like, okay, this is this your mother? Like, why are, you, why are you just following this woman blindly and not questioning anything? A woman should be sexually free to do it. Like, at some point we get to the whole purpose of this is, is confusion. When men are meant to create logic because we need clarity on things that are important. We can have chaos about what fast food places better. We can have chaos about what sports teams. We can't have chaos about how family is is constructed that is not a place we can have chaos Hmm. and we're putting feminine influence in places that require masculine order and that's the issue in that that men are think they're being noble men by oh i'm gonna allow this woman to this space not understanding their own purpose like hey you're here to create order for society because if you don't do it there will be no order if you stop making rules in your family, in your household, even for yourself, if you say, hey, I get up every day at 5 a.m. or 4 a.m., if you stop doing that, you're going to be out of order. So we know it in ourselves. Mm. And when it comes to our family, we have to do it as well in society and community. Mm. And I just I don't like the I don't like the the ideals and and women. Some women enjoy it in the short term, like, oh, he believes that we can all be equal and blah, 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 blah. And I, I, these stories play out like a Hollywood movie. Like, you know, you can see it coming. Okay, give it five years. Give it seven years when your kids are getting a little bit older. And now you're out earning him. And now you don't really respect him. And now you start seeing his women start seeing the lack of order in his traits. Mm. Oh, now he now he's lazy. Oh, now, like now you think he's lazy. He was lazy the minute he didn't want to set order. He was like, that's too much work. Hmm. That's too much intellectual work to formulate an idea and to figure out where we need to draw constraints. So let women have it. They'll do it. Order is important. And I actually spoke about this yesterday because I get up uh, 3 a.m. And I said, 
I said in the video, it's not like every day I'm motivated to get up. I don't get up excited every single day, but sometimes even if I don't have to be up at three, I'm up there to keep that order going, to keep consistent, to keep disciplined. Otherwise, the moment you slip up once, then okay, it's fine to sleep until 6 a.m. and I won't go to the gym or I won't meditate tomorrow. And then everything else starts to cascade in your life and you you wonder, you know, why the house of cards fell over, but you you pulled one out from the bottom and you weren't in order anymore. It's a house of cards. Mm. And that that's that's the, the reality that, you know, I men have to understand and it, it's it comes from being a disciplined man in the first place, because I understand the order within myself. I have to have that and maintain that. But everything is fragile. Everything like if it wasn't fragile, it wouldn't require order. So everything is so delicate that I have to have order. Men are, men are governed by the sun. Our, our hormone is, is 24 hours. It's, it resets every single day. It's about order. It's about rep- repetitive nature. What do you do every day, day in, day out? The female hormone is, is governed by the moon. It's 28 days. Mm. She did 28 different things this whole, this whole month. You did the same thing for 28 days. It's a difference. Mm. We're different. I would say I've um, fallen victim to that the mind, the idea that your partner has to be doing what you're doing. Like, you know, if you're going to the gym, come to the gym, like every single day when they find it a mm. lot, they find it a lot harder to follow that. It makes sense now to me. It didn't yeah, at the time. It's, it used to cause tension in the relationship, but now I understand. It's like, you rest, I'll work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like when you feel like when you when you get around to it, like because when, if if you observe a woman over the course of a month, you can kind of pick out her moods. Like, okay, this week she's gonna be like this. Next week she's gonna be like this. Next week she's like this. She's, but she's gonna change throughout that whole twenty. And it's our job to stay the same, mm. to be the constant. If you're if we're changing every time she changes, it's gonna be chaos. And that's what happened with society. Mm. Like if if I if if we respond emotionally how our women responded every single day, we'd be wrecks. Like mm. we'd be crying and like, I don't know why I'm saying like, <laughs> it's meant for us to be the constant. And, but we, so politically we have changed because how a woman is feeling temporarily. Yeah. Yes, of course. She's going to have a moment and a season in her life where she feels like I want to do this masculine thing, but it's not for, it's just a phase. Mm. And it's like, again, it's not to belittle or patronize women, but it is a phase. There are very few women who actually desire to work a job every single day for 40 years. There's, it doesn't exist. Yeah. It's, not, it's not a real thing. Hmm. They want to be feminine women, but they just want to, they want to participate. And I think they have a right to participate. I'm not even saying, hey, women shouldn't work. They should be in the kitchen. No. But it's also knowing that when it comes time, when a push comes to shove, family is going to be more important to you, or it should be, than your career hmm. or hey wait to have a career post like there's ways to structure things if you really wanted that but you have to figure out what you're optimizing for how much time are you going to spend with your children how much time are you going to spend nurturing them and teaching them like those first seven years are critical did you say in this podcast or did i hear you say it elsewhere that the breadwinners of the rela- um, the female breadwinners of a relationship are the most miserable or most unhappy they're the most unhappy in, in all marriage. I did a, a research on this. This may be last year. I got to pull this stuff back out to just like put it on something like people can read it. But if you survey all the married people, I think this is in America, 
but the men were about the same level of happy. Like they, it was a very small variance. Like if he's married, if he's married and not the breadwinner, he's okay with it. Like he didn't go into it like, oh man, I'm not happy. My wife is making more money than me. Like he married her. So obviously he's okay with that. The man who's the breadwinner, he's like, I'm the breadwinner. I feel good. The woman, the woman who is her husband's the breadwinner is the most ha- she's the most happy of all people because she gets she admires her partner. Mm. So it tells you that men are kind of complacent to whatever we accept. Mm. A man who doesn't care, he's not going to care regardless. A man who takes pride is going to he's already taking pride in the fact that he's him. He's not it's not that marriage is giving him a boost. Like, oh, I'm married now. Now I'm a now I'm a better man. It's no, I'm I was a better man. And because I'm a better man, that's why I was able to be married to someone who's following my program. But when it comes to the woman who's the breadwinner, she's like, she wants her man to be become better. But that's not how men work. Men don't operate that way. Men come prepackaged. You 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 cannot expect a man to become better. It's it's really the most it's a delusional thought, right? Like obviously we can become better. That's only if my norm is becoming better. Which means you will have found me at a certain state already if I'm becoming better. You won't find me struggling or whatever the case may be. And then I would already have the traits. I would have the habits. I'm just getting better. If I work out, I may not be jacked right now. But if you catch me in two years, I'm going to be jacked. Hmm. I, wasn't, I'm, I didn't become better. I, I was consistent. I'm, I'm a person who works out. So that is the consistency. It's not the fact that how much he weighs, how much money he has. Is he... What is his consistency? That's who he is. His patterns, his day-to-day patterns, that's who he is. And that's why, you know, I had a woman who was like in her, I think she's in her 60s. She was like, well, I married my husband and he was young. And I was like, where'd you all meet? And then she was like, well, in college. And I was like, of course. I think her, her husband is like, a, he's a top 1% earner. Hmm. So his program that he was in, he was already living out the pattern of success. Success is not a, people think it's a destination. It is a, it is a process, it is a habit, it is a lifestyle. Mm. It doesn't matter if you, are, if you are broke watching this, working at McDonald's, earning $8 an hour. If you have the habit of improving yourself every single day, you will get better. Mm. But you won't get better because somebody wants you to get better. Mm. And women, like, I'm making this, he's making that, I want him to get better. He needs to improve. Like, that's not the man you married. Because mm. you didn't want that man. Because that man didn't want you. He wanted something different. And that's what the women who who have the access because the women who make more actually have more access to the men who are high earners, who have the habits of masculine men more often than not. But those men don't choose these women because, Hey, you're, and some of them do like, right? Like most people marry within across stratosphere. But when it comes to the women who are single, a lot of the women who are single are very educated, um, high income. Mm. Like, why is that? Why are the, why are the most successful women on paper not marrying? Interesting. Like, why do you men to step up? It's like, well, men out earn you, don't they? Is the pay gap real or it's not real anymore? Like, which one is it? Like, <laughs> do men make more now or they, or they don't make more? Like, which one is it? Right? It's, we have all these, like, counterproductive or counterintuitive arguments about the state of men and women. And it's really just, hey, we, if we get back in order with masculine and feminine, everything will flow from there. Yeah. Everything will flow from there. No matter how much you make, no matter where you live, no matter your culture, you can find someone that aligns with you if you just respect the process and the order of it all. I've got a couple questions before we wrap up just from different people. Um, friends, having friends of the opposite sex 
in like a best friend that's the opposite sex in a relationship or marriage how what's your take on that do you think it's um unhealthy or it creates the possibility of having an affair i've heard this argument made and i understand the 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 narrative right that men or people should have friends of the opposite sex i would say if you if your friend group is just to be frank made of average people who have the morals of the day and they're not aligned with your it goes the same thing with like choosing a partner i need friends who have similar worldviews than than me if if my friends don't think about spirituality or society or culture the same way i do they're we're going to have a disagreement and it may be fundamental we can disagree on everything else there's so much diversity of thought that we can have. We can disagree on why we agree on certain worldviews. Like you can have the same worldview as me and we can disagree on why that is or where you get it from or wh what the solution actually is. But if we don't agree in the institution of marriage and family and, and like culture, like we don't agree on that, we can't be friends. Hmm. If I'm going to have a friendship with someone and I'm married or if they're married, I expect we, we're going to have a mutual understanding of what it means to be married. Mm. We're not being friends to have an affair. We're being friends because we need a network for our children to access. Yeah, I think um, strong parents need strong parents. I agree with you entirely. I think the um, someone said the other day, there's a there's a when a woman's ovulating, they're more likely to have an affair out of irrational emotions. But I just wonder whether if you are spiritually connected whether you can overcome those and i don't know if that's an excuse yeah I, I, like if that's like men are ovulating 24 7 that's the case right <laughs> like it's e it's like sexual desire is easy to conjure up yeah if you really wanted to but i mean i'll ask you i'm sure there are things and let me know if it's tmi but that have stimulated you in the past, right? You can see an image that will stimulate you and you can look at it now and say, ha, it's a beautiful woman. Yep. And that's, that will be it. Yep. Like 100%, I've seen women, I mean, like they used to, in my 20s or late teens, it's like, oh, that's a very lustful thought towards that person. Mm. And then you see them post on Instagram, they're half naked, like, oh, she's pretty, she's, she's, she's a pretty girl. Too much makeup though, but you know, she cute. <laughs> and then just, that's it. Yep. And like that restraint, people don't understand because they're they're engaged deeply with their sexual desires. Yep. How can what what role does the Bible have in forming your worldview around gender and roles? I, I would guess it has some like a significant portion. Um, I kind of grew up in a Christian and, and Muslim household, so it's kind of like Abrahamic in faith, but like not really cornerstone on religion it's more just like the the story of it all like I, I like reading the bible reading the Quran, like that was kind of like foundational and i'd be a fool to say that those things don't influence how i view the world right but understanding it from an energy standpoint uh, of looking at masculine feminine energy and really more so using that energy to tell those stories in a more meaningful way even like i have people who are christian who are like oh man i really love how you break this down this is and they will tell me a bible verse to match what i'm saying it's like i didn't know that bible verse but they just told me what it was but i'm just speaking from an energetic truth and like sure it makes sense it's in the bible like i'm not saying anything that i just conjured up or someone who's 
who's Muslim will say, hey, this is what I got from that. I read this here and I'm like, hmm, that's like, that's great. Like that, that's where you got that from. Um, so I, it, it has a significant portion. I'm not, I, I don't know how I can put a number on it or like how much it's weighed into it. But I would say the framework really comes from like, there's a masculine feminine polarity. And once we acknowledge that gender is a thing for a reason and there is polarity and that men and women have a different life cycle, we start seeing that in other aspects of life. Like if you have a business idea, all right, that's the idea, that's the feminine. Like you have this idea, it has to be planted in something, right? So you, you get, you put it on paper and you, you write it down and then you start, you start it and you plant that first seed, which is the, the sperm being into the egg. And then that seed has to develop. Things have to happen before it gets, even comes to form. So it may be nine months of working hard on this business idea and then boop, something happens. You're like, wow, my business is here. It, it's, it, so every, everything is like that. We can look at anything. It comes from a non-physical standpoint or a feminine standpoint or a spiritual standpoint or a metaphysical standpoint into matter. Even time and light itself coming into existence. God saying, let there be light is a, is a metaphor or it's really a direct, direct statement, but it's a metaphor of like light came into being. Like light had to be birthed through something. So everything that we are is made of time, well, not time, but space and matter. So it's, we are the light. We are a reflection of light. We are the manifestation that come into being from the womb, the darkness. We are the light that comes into the world. And as God's children, to be the light, to live in righteousness is to be a light for the word and whatever faces that is that's been the his, history of religion going back ages right like it's not even a biblical thing you can go before Judaism you can go to before Hinduism you astrozorianism like they're like every religion has a and I, I've studied over a hundred religions in my early 20s like hundreds like just like mm. parsing through trying to find the truth like what is the truth why is I'm trying to figure this thing out there is a common layer of understanding, and I think God places people here to speak what needs to be said at that time to be codified for those people to live a certain way to understand it. And he's done it over and over again. Say, hey, they need to understand this. They need to understand this. And people call them prophets, messiahs, whatever you want to call them. That's like that's everyone's mm -hmm. personal prerogative. I try to stay out of people's personal affairs. Right. But for me, it's just understanding the nature of it all. And observing it, even in my own life and my family's life and friends' life and peers' life and now communities and people from around the world. Like, I'm in America, but there's people in Asia, um, Australia, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, Africa, Canada, Mexico, who have given me the same stories. And it's not because it's a coincidence. It's like because that there is one thing that connects us all, and it's procreation. It's the, only, so it's the one thing we all do. When you refer to God, what are you, what are you saying? Because I think a lot of Westerners, especially, get turned off this word. There's a funny connotation around it. Yeah. I mean, so when I would post, say I would post one of your things that says to live under God's order, most people would probably just swipe right quickly. Like, oh man, this uh, person pushing their Christianity on me. It's like, yeah, yeah. And I and I get it. I mean, I I get the pushback on that. But you either believe in God or you don't, right? Like it's 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 not a complex thing because God isn't really complex, right? Like there's instructions, but it's, it's just infinite. Hmm. 
there's an infinite nature of of something divine that had to put all the stuff together. Like the the, the world is too mathematical to be coincidence. It's, yeah. It's too mathematical. It's extremely accurate, extremely precise. Like it's it's when you people look at like the numbers that occur in nature in space, like how does the same number that apply in space somehow apply in earth and that applies somewhere in my body like that it's designed right and there there is a infinite consciousness an infinite potential for reality that comes from a place that's much infinitely larger than here and our idea of god and reason that we we say god is a he is because god is a masculine form of of thought like right god is really feminine in the infinite state like there is no in, in taoism the Tao that can be named is not the Tao, right? Like that, that is their, the, one of the principal sayings, like you cannot reach the Tao. It, it, it's unreachable. When you think about it, it's if, already not the it Tao anymore. Named, it's not named. Or, so that means... It's not it, not it yeah. It, it's not it, right? So that means in this pure feminine, formless self, we can't think about it. So it comes to form already as soon as we think about it, that's God, because now it's a masculine form of what we think the divine is. But it's just a small sliver which is why religion is so interesting to me because everyone says they, you know, they know the true God. It's like, well, you know your perception of God, which yeah. is which may be enough for you, but like we can't understand Infinite. God. We can only just just okay, there's something there's something that has more power than me. Accept it. Cool. I don't have to understand. I don't there's nothing to understand because it's infinite. It it's it's beyond human comprehension. It's like, okay. Like we can't under, we can't count to 10 million. <laughs> anybody, ever, anybody ever tried count to count to a million sure. we lose count we can't even count right so things are, are are so beyond us and we make we have science we, we've discovered science we've discovered math math people are like oh we made up we made that stuff up like no we've discovered it math has already been here we've been given the tools to measure it which is science and now we're looking at God's nature and like, wait a minute, this is in, like, who designed this? Who made this? It's like if you if you walked in a walked in the house in a new home. If you say you were born about to buy a house and the home was supposed to be like brand new, there was like personal statues in there and like pictures of people. You like somebody live here? That's what we do. We we come into form on Earth and we're like, who made these birds and trees and and skies and weather and and math and science? Like who made this stuff? It was it wasn't it wasn't us. It's nature. And even nature can, you know, if you go to like indigenous populations, like nature is like how they identify with God. But it's like nature is a representation of the infinite. Like that, literally nature is the equivalent because there is nothing. And then there all of a sudden there's nature. I agree. And what you said, what you said about your um, so just, uh, identifying with your specific religious God, I think it's it's the same across all of it. If you're holding on to something too tightly then you you're kind of resisting the possibility you're resisting receiving whatever else is infinite like whatever the spiritual realm is infinite if you're holding on to yeah. your belief is the only belief it's just like if i'm holding on to how i was treated in a last relationship i'll never receive new love so you have to learn to let go be open yeah. to receiving more which probably i don't know how you're going to answer this one we'll make it the final one but how can a woman in a relationship approach a man resisting vulnerability resisting vulnerability i mean <laughs> i would say if you're not married then like you don't have to right i mean I, I have a very different philosophy when it comes to like 
I guess this is why you asked the question. I kind of get it now. Like, just kind of hit me. Hmm. Harmony is harmony. There, there's no need for explanation when there's harmony. Like, if the music sounds good, if I play a chord and it's a C major chord, I know what it sounds like. I don't have to, like, what if the E is an F? It's like, it never will be. And it's not an E, right? And sometimes we want, for whatever reason, that we've learned to hold on or to control things or want to change people is because we can't sit with the discord and look at like, are we pressing the wrong keys? Like maybe this person just doesn't fit into this equation and I want them to fit because I'm tired of searching or I'm tired of being alone or I'm tired of being abandoned. Or I'm tired of being rejected. or I'm tired of making the wrong choice. or I'm tired of being a failure. I'm tired of being, whatever it is you're tired of that fear that conjures up because of that discord will make you want to change people. And we can't change people. That's not our jobs. Everyone has their own path of discovery and awakening and, and alignment. You can't make someone see themselves until they decide to see themselves. And so if a man is resisting vulnerability, if, if it's causing, because it's also, you know, there's the nuance there of like what a woman sees as vulnerability, what a man sees as vulnerability is, can be two different things, right? But if that resistance is even causing a disturbance outside of the fact that you just want him to be vulnerable, Right. Like it may not even be causing an issue. It just be you just upset that he's not vulnerable when he just means be his natural. He may be a stoic person by nature. And he's like, be vulnerable. It's like the only issue is the fact that you want to change him. So that there's layers of that, too. Right. So is the vulnerability one? Is it actual vulnerability? Are you two agreeing on what vulnerability is? Right. So are we on the same worldview? Goes back to those same core things. Right. Like if we have the same the core, then we will understand these things together. We don't have to define each thing for the other person. But what is vulnerability? And then is this vulnerability actually a problem or am I making it a problem? And if it is a problem, then is it going to be changed? If it's not, and if that's a deal breaker for you, then okay, then bye. Like it's, it's a simple, but that's logical sequencing, right? If you're going into it like, I just feel like he's not being, and I understand like a woman will go like have that processing, but that's why we have to understand the other. We have to understand the opposite to us to understand the oneness that it is, which is why I said like the vulnerability may not even be an issue. You just might be making it an issue because you want him to be more feminine, which he's a man. He doesn't have to be more feminine. He can choose to be, but he doesn't have to be. He may not, it may not be a net positive for him. He's like, if I, get, if I do this and it's not adding anything to me, it's just being subordinate to you for the sake of being subordinate to you. And that's, that's not manly. That's how we got in the in the first place, right? Like men being subordinate for the sake of being subordinate because they're women, because we honor them. Like because you honor, sometimes honoring a woman is giving her a restraint. Sometimes the deepest honor you can have for a woman is giving her a restraint, a boundary, a, a, a no, a rejection of saying, hey, this is my line. This is my boundary. Interesting. There's a quote that says, the, um, if you want to make a woman unhappy, give her everything. Interesting. As we wrap this one up, can you um, give us mostly Australian audience uh, some philosophy that will help that people can use to rebuild themselves, rebuild our community, rebuild our nation that's run by weak men? I mean, for the men, it, it starts with understanding that we're going to cultivate ourselves. You have to master yourself. You have to be a master of yourself, which means I have to master my trauma, I have to master my mindset, master my emotional responses master my spirituality, my beliefs, whatever that may be. And I have to master my logical processing and production in the world, which means the value I give is a, is a result of what I've cultivated. I cannot reap what I, what I do not sow. 
So I have to plant and I have to cultivate my skills, my everything so I can give more value because being a man is about giving. That is what being a man is about. It's about giving. So we have to learn that what are we giving and what are the restraints that we're giving to society to create new order. And it's not done from a place of I'm the man. So this is what I say is done from, hey, I know your nature. And to, to a degree, I know it more than you. It's the reason I'm the one that enforces the laws. I know what happens when men fall out of their nature into your nature. Like the whole story, even the Adam Eve stories, it's, it's about masculine feminine energy. Like, hey, if you don't put a fence around this tree, a woman will go get that apple. You better put a fence around it. Don't just tell them, like, you can't do that. And then just walk away. Like, no, you better build a wall. Better, like, make sure don't access this tree. You might have to move her from the garden or move the tree from the garden. And in all seriousness, it's, we have to establish order within ourselves so we can attract women who are orderly. Because there are women out here who very much are against, like, the feminism movement. They, like, they despise it more than anybody because they see what it's done to their families, their friends, and they see the unhappiness that still is embedded. Like, they're in, they're in their social groups more than we are. Like, they understand women, how they're reacting to different things in real time. We kind of see the backlash or the, you know, when it boils over, but they're in it all the time. So there are women who, are, who disagree, but those women are looking for certain men. And if you, are, if you are a man who wants that kind of woman, I see this often online, like there's a lot of incel culture of like, you know, anti-woman, but you can't, you can't punish. It, it will be foolish. I can't say you can't, you can, but it will be foolish to try to punish a orderly woman because of an unruly woman to say, oh, I won't protect this woman who, who desires order and desires masculinity. And she's living a feminine lifestyle. She's not living a lifestyle that is chaotic and sex driven. She's living a life that is family oriented. She's cultivating her knowledge and skills to be a better mother, to be a better wife for her potential husband. You can't say, oh, no, you want to you want equality. So suck it. That's not that's not a man thing to do. The man thing is to say, hey, this is a woman who is who is valuable. I may not marry, but let me add her to my network. Maybe I can introduce her to a man that I know who's orderly. Like, I know a lot of women, it's like, people like, you should play matchmaking. I'm like, I'm not really into the matchmaking thing. Like, you got to find that on your own. But it's like, if we're in the same vicinity, if we're at an event together, and hey, I know so-and-so here. Meet. But we have to be orderly within ourselves, and that's to sum it up. Like, master yourself, you will attract people who are mastering themselves. It's that simple. And if you're around people who are not doing it, like, look more at yourself. Like, what am I not doing? If everyone's around me is out of shape, that's a sign for that I'm not in the right environment. If everyone's around me, they're not reading, they're not developing, they're not successful, they're not growing their business, they're not growing their investments, they're, like, they're not thinking about the right things, they're talking about all the this pop culture and sex. And if a guy hits me up and like, yeah, man, I just slept with so-and-so last oh. night, I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't even be on the phone, honestly. Like, you can't even talk to me on the phone like that. Like, don't call me, right? Like, certain conversations have to be had in Men and women set this boundary for themselves, right? Because we all have that masculine boundary within ourselves. You have to set that boundary for yourself and decide, hey, this is what goes in my life. This is my culture. This is my worldview. This is how I want to live. And as a man, that has to extend outside of yourself, to your family, to your country, so that you become the strong man that we need because hard times are coming and we're going to need the men who are ready to step up because I guarantee these men who are, you know, the feminist men who want everything to be equal are not going to be there to depend on. <laughs> <laughs> Time is coming. All right. Thanks, Malik. That was awesome podcast.